0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, where we share the journey of individuals who have broken into cybersecurity within the past five years. I'm so lucky to have Tiffany on today. She will be sharing her journey into cybersecurity. But before we get started, follow us on LinkedIn if you're watching us from YouTube live right now, hit that subscribe button and that notification button. If you are watching us after the fact or listening to us, give us a 10 star rating or five if you can on your favorite platform where you're streaming this and share it with as many people. Tiffany, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so a little about me. I'm currently the head of security and systems at Shopmonkey. We're an automotive shop management platform in the SaaS space. And I've been with that company for about a year and a half now um, and have also worked in a few other companies doing security related positions and uh, really enjoying my time here.
0: Nice. Well, let's take a little bit back of a journey in time. What got you interested into tech or cyber in the first place?
1: Yeah, so my journey into tech was kind of accidental. Uh, My mom worked in tech in the Bay Area, uh, so I saw her working there and I had very little interest in it, funny enough. Um, But after college, um, my goal was to work as an intelligence analyst for the government and I graduated in the midst of the Great Recession. And so there was just no positions available. So I was applying to anything and everything under the sun, um, even applied to the military at one point, And even they're like, we don't have jobs for you. Um, and so eventually just throw enough darts and see what lands. I had an interview with a software company in San Jose for a professional services position uh, and ultimately was able to land that job and was with that company for a total of about five years. So it really introduced me to the tech world um i just helped family out with computer stuff here and there just because i was the right generation to know these things and then all of a sudden my job was to help small businesses get software set up Um, so
0: well it sounds it sounds accidental but it sounds like there's also a lot of hard work that went into getting your first role Uh, tell us about your approach to that like Was it really that scattershot or did you (laughs) you take an intelligence-based approach to it?
1: So I actually, when I was like truly hunkered down, like I was at one point, I just said, okay, enough's enough. This is my full-time job is job hunting. Um, And this was in about summer of 2012. Uh, And I spent four weeks and I submitted 106 applications across the country, Um, Many of those were government jobs with multiple positions. So that was probably distributed to closer to 250 (laughs) different locations. Um, And ultimately I had two interviews and one job offer. And both of those interviews were in the Bay area for tech companies. So a lot of what I did was rely on USA jobs for government related positions. And then just to see if I could get any sort of, sort of relatable, relatable skills, I was also leveraging LinkedIn quite heavily applying for customer support because I knew I could do that. I'd worked in retail. I had worked as a temp for a real estate franchise company um, and would just see if that could get me any sort of experience I could use to build my resume.
0: It looks like your story's already resonating uh, <laughs> with some folks here. You are sharing your amazing work. Very grateful for your kindness and support. You are a very motivational person and inspiring. And so for those of you chiming in, tell us where you're chiming in from. Say hello. We have um, Roger Professor, Professor Roger White that was on yesterday. And then we have some other folks like um, Lonnie in the building here. So say hi, ask questions, and we'll bring them in when we can. So Tiffany, your, your first role, what was that exactly in?
1: Yeah, so I was doing uh, implementation for a um, incentive comp management solution. So I was uh, largely working out of the Salesforce platform and their own uh, app through the UI, and just configuring things, gathering requirements for cut from the customers in terms of how they needed their compensation plans to work to pay sales their representatives, account managers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I picked it up really quickly. So within six months, I had actually moved to a different state to help build up a team over there as kind of a team lead position. Um, And that was pretty exciting because I'd only ever lived in California and all of a sudden here I am in Colorado, a new state helping build up a team um, and having that trust and responsibility on me.
0: Oh, nice. And as you transitioned from that support position to something more closer to cyber, how did that happen or what, what was the journey there?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I had been in this team for about a year and started to get a little bored almost uh, doing the same thing day in and day out. So I wanted to go back into researching for intelligence positions again, that was still my true goal. And I kept seeing all these job postings asking for cybersecurity skills. And so I said, well, that seems like a good trend. that's what they're hiring for like how can i learn more to gain those skills to meet those positions Uh, so ultimately my company offered a very generous continuing education program of around five grand a year which i haven't seen anywhere else so i was very fortunate Mm -hmm. so i used that stipend to go back and get a master's degree that was focused on information security and forensics but it also had a homeland security component so i felt like i could kind of bridge that gap between the company I was working for, being able to show uh, learnings around computer skills, networking, that sort of thing that could be applicable to the SaaS world, but also still paying for my classes that were more intelligence focused. Um, And then I had kind of a chance encounter with the IT manager for our company, and he wanted somebody a bit more security minded um, and originally just had a conversation getting drinks after work. I mentioned something about networking protocols and his response was, ew, why would you want to learn about those? Um, And I said, because I have to. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it just sparked a conversation that ultimately led to me joining IT. And then when a security position opened up on the IT team, um, that director took the chance on me just based on the work that he had seen me achieve and started working on internal security for that company.
0: So networking and then showing on-the-job skills outside of your domain area. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Wow, that's great.
1: (laughs) And a master's degree doesn't hurt.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, let me ask a question there because that's often very debated here is how influential was the master's degree in your point of view to you achieving this role?
1: I think it was important because I don't know if I would have had that same conversation with that IT director had I not been taking the classes in that master's degree. Now, had I been taking any other sorts of related kind of security classes, whether it be prep for some sort of certification or just taking, you know, the free Amazon courses that they offer, it might've still led to that same place. Um, But for me, just the way I was, tracking for my what I thought was going to be my career path and intelligence, the master's degree made the most sense. Um, I don't have any other certifications like CISSP um, at this point, uh, but I've managed to build trust with some of my employers based on the companies I've worked for, the work I've done there, as well as still being able to demonstrate that advanced learning in the security space with the master's degree.
0: I absolutely love that. Uh, Carrie is saying... I can see. I can see. I need to try and apply and apply again. I've had only six months of experience, and that was in 2012. And then I stopped for some reason. I'm trying to get more skills. Absolutely, Carrie. Keep keep trying, keep learning, and keep demonstrating that to others. Aman has a question. I previously joined with a bachelor's in cybersecurity. Oh, sorry, computer science. But dropped my college study and tried to enter into cybersecurity. Can you suggest me without graduating how I can enter the field? I'll let you take that one.
1: Uh, Yeah, I definitely think it's possible to enter the field without a degree. Uh, Some of the big names that I follow on Twitter in the security industry, a lot of them don't have degrees. Um, There's also a lot of people that are neurodivergent that school just doesn't really work for them. But they're extraordinary within the cybersecurity field. Um, So I think what in that case, if you don't have a a particular degree, anything you can do to also just be able to demonstrate uh, experience or competence in either those security skills or related skills that help you better understand how things work, whether it be within IT or um, DevOps or whatever it, it might be, I think those are all still very valuable as you apply for positions.
0: Wow, I, I couldn't have said it better. I th- those are very similar to the, the types of recommendations that that I give. As you as you were building those security like competencies within your role, how did you go about doing that? Was it through continuous education? Was it through working with? Those in your department, like how did you go about building those side skills to demonstrate that to your current IT director?
1: Yeah, so it started with the schooling just to build that foundation of understanding. You know what is risk management? What is a security policy? Why do these things matter to a business? Um, you do not by any means need to go to school to learn what those things are. Um, and then from there, it was a lot of hands-on on the job trial and error when I was first getting started. Uh, it was breaking our company's identity solution accidentally and deprovisioning the CEO, it was. Um, uh, also, there was some good things in there too. It was uh, you know, getting to join in um, to the security council meetings at the business, even in just to start as like a note-taking capacity, but then later on getting to contribute ideas or recommendations. Um, But a lot of my learning has also come from going to uh, networking events and additional training. So I've been to Black Hat a number of times. I've attended Black Hat trainings. Um, I'll go to RSA with a free expo pass if I can find a credit. (laughs) Um, It's also been building the network. Um, So I'm part of Cybersity, which is a, a, a community of minority cybersecurity professionals, and they have a big focus on those who are currently within education systems, but also outside of them in the workforce. Um, And also some other security Slack channels where I get a chance to network and interact with people like Chris here um, in order to ask questions of other people that are having similar issues that I have. Like we're all in this together, no one's doing anything. (laughs) Like if we're all running a business, we all have a lot of the same problems. It may have a different face on it, but at the fundamental root level, we're all trying to solve this at least similar things
0: you talked about some of your black hat training some of your other trainings were they focused on specific things that the business were facing or did you kind of take them from a, a personal interest and how did you get your employer employer to pay for you to go to black hat
1: <laughs> <laughs> that First company, I, they paid a lot of money on me, but it kept me around for five years, so I guess it worked for them. Um, yeah, so the Black Hat training, what I did is I said, look, I know there are some gaps in our security program. There's gaps in my knowledge and understanding. So one of them, I think, was the basic web app hacking uh, course that they offer. Uh, and so I, most of my experience is more on the compliance side, the policy side, just understanding how the business works and building in kind of business controls. But when it came to actual pen testing, not my thing. Um, So I was able to show how even just a cursory review of some of our uh, web components um, on a regular basis would add value as opposed to relying on a third party penetration test and having to fix a bunch of stuff all at once. Um, So that helped convince them that I should go at least understand what the attacks are that we would potentially be facing um i did not end up <laughs> continuing to do my back uh, web app hacking when i came back from that class but if nothing else it helped me speak to it articulate it educate around it better um, and so that was you know one example
0: it, it sounds like you were able to articulate a business case which i, I don't think many people are when they go to ask for training. They're more focused on what's in it for me and fail to show what's in it for the business.
1: Definitely. Um, That's probably one of the first questions I ask even in my current role with anything I do is what's the business case? Like I wanna understand, like you obviously think you have a solution for this. I'm curious to understand the logic behind it. Um, Maybe I have an idea that you have or have not thought of, just have it be a conversation. Um, And in my case, I was also fortunate to have a a director that was supportive of these types of things and also helping build my skills and, you know, really being a champion for me. Um, I know a lot of people talk about mentorship, but I think championing or having a champion is just as valuable, if not more so, as you're trying to build your career within a company.
0: How did you go about with that championing program?
1: It was a combination of just who that person was and how they saw their role in building a team, as well as me constantly working to deliver on time, under budget, um, to be someone that could be relied on as both a team player and a person who's able to work independently. So it's kind of built on trust and it's not gonna happen with, with every manager. Um, there are some people that have different priorities and different focuses, but in this case, um, I was able to find somebody who had a very good reputation within the company, had a lot of trust within the company, and then I established trust with them. So they were willing to kind of put their neck out a bit more for me when there was different opportunities that we saw for my development.
0: Uh, sounds a lot like influence as well. You were able to yeah. influence them on the, on the business <laughs> case and what you were doing. Let's say hi to a couple other folks. Hey, Craig from Texas. And then we have uh, Samir from Maryland. Feel free to write in with your questions if you have any for Tiffany. Uh, Tiffany, as you continue your journey, you mentioned that networking and Slack channels were something that you do. What's your recommendation with that? for others like do you go out and look for those slack channels or what do you do in them
1: so one of them like i mentioned is through siteversity um i don't quite remember how i stumbled across that one it might have been through some uh searching of different groups or communities on linkedin it might have been some internet searches um i am very much in tune with trying to focus on DE&I within cybersecurity. So just that kind of query led me to that group. Um, also, other people in the industry when I have met them through uh, either events or working for them. So my previous company was Malwarebytes, so lots of security uh, people around, they were able to say, oh, hey, you know, there's this other group I'm part of, you should definitely join. Um, so leveraging that network helped build my digital network as well. Um, and that's the group that especially the last time I Decided to look for a new position. Um, I pretty much almost exclusively relied on either my in-person or digital network.
0: Wow, um, you touched on a topic that that some would say is very controversial today with regards to DE and I, um, and it sounds like you're you're a very big advocate for it. What can we do? Um, to be more inclusive of different audiences in the security space?
1: Yeah, I think that's a whole, probably dedicated conversation with a lot of people who are smarter than me. Um, I know within my own space, it's something that I heavily think about, especially being a hiring manager to ensure that we're being inclusive in our recruiting practices because that helps build the pipeline, which makes it more likely that people will join um a particular company and then also pushing the executives and talent for ensuring that that also continues for manager level and executive level positions but in terms of starting kind of just getting people into the ecosystem uh, there's a lot that can be done if you have relationships with your talent crew um, talent teams you know take a look at historically black colleges and universities um, that's a great resource it, they're fantastic schools with a huge number of people that are going to be entering the workforce or entering internship programs and things like that. Um, there's also a ton of organizations focused on either uh, minorities in tech or women in tech that you can partner with. They have job boards, everything from Cybersity to um, the Women's cyber Jutsu uh, Organization, um, YSIS, um, uh I think the Diana initiative, like there's a million, million programs out there. If you're willing to do some research and partner with them Um, and make it a point to ensure that whenever you have a position open, like how can I ensure that we have women applying? How can we ensure that we have uh, people from various minority communities applying? Just make sure that they're even in there as part of the conversation.
0: That's so true. I'm, I'm also part of the the Slack channel for DNA initiative. And if you're going to Black Hat, uh, I think they schedule it uh, right after so that you can still go to both of them and have fun at summer camp.
1: A lot of these (laughs) programs have scholarship initiatives too. So especially if you're thinking about going either for schooling or for various certification programs, they may be able to assist.
0: Yes. And yesterday we On the podcast for CISO Thursday, Professor Roger White mentioned um, Blackson Cybersecurity and how he helps with providing workshops through his Discord group. So check out that episode for some additional resources. Tiffany, when it comes to you and your own continuing education outside of formal programs, how do you go about doing that?
1: So one of my primary resources is Twitter. Uh, There are some great security um, thought leaders or just people in the industry who have, you know, interesting ideas or different takes on the cybersecurity world, on the world at large. Um, So I check that somewhat regularly. My Twitter profile is pretty much exclusively just to lurk on what these other people are saying. Um, And it's interesting, too, because I've actually seen where they'll post about things and it's like, wow, that's. This is kind of a big deal and it takes like two or three days and then all of a sudden it blows up on CNN or Fox News or whatever. It's like, yeah, I know about that. Like, where have you been? News? Like, this is on (laughs) Twitter days ago. Um, So that's definitely a great place for it. Um, Also, the Slack groups, people will post interesting things uh, or vulnerabilities that are making big waves. uh, So I can do some research and figure out, you know, do these affect me or to our business, to my team, whatever it might be. Um, and then also like relying on, you know, just conversations with people, it will also help to say like, Oh, like maybe they are following someone that I'm not aware of, or maybe they saw an article. So I encourage my team at ShopMonkey monkey, for example, to post interesting articles within our team channel. Um, since they're doing their own research and their own learnings, um, we can kind of crowdsource things that are, you know, either interesting or relevant to our business or, Something big in security that might be the next big thing. Um, we also are evaluating tools all the time. So it's interesting to see, you know, hey, this vendor just reached out to me about buying their stuff. What is this? Like, is this a part of the industry I should be paying attention to? You know, is, is this just a buzzword?
0: <laughs> and as you've grown to become a hiring manager, we'll take a little bit of pivot there and ask you some questions for, from that perspective. What do you do to change some of the things that you felt were a challenge and were potentially unfair to those applying, um, now that you're in the role.
1: Yeah. So I'm very fortunate that, especially now I'm part, I'm part of a team that really prioritizes these things. Um, our talent team is epic at trying to like actively recruit for, uh, Various minority candidates are ensuring there's women in the pipeline for a given role so that we can ensure that there's a diverse group. So it's not just only, you know, this one guy's buddies are applying and they all look just like him. You know, <laughs> that's not what we want to have. Of course, we love our referral programs. We love the candidates we see. And the more diverse our company is, the more diverse a referral program ends up being as well, which has been great to see how that has evolved over time. Um, in terms of my own practices, it's hard because you have to balance this line of saying like, I want to make sure we must have women, but also not have it be like, I'm only talking to this person because they're a woman. In my opinion, candidates will shine regardless. And in the case that somebody is part of a minority community, whether it be based on their gender, their gender identity, their ethnicity, their race, their religion, whatever it might be, we are all unique people and. We all have experiences that hopefully help build us up. And, as, and if I can find a candidate with grit because they've just had to fight that much harder to get to this point, like that's probably the person I want to hire. And a lot of the times those people also happen to be people of color or women or some of these other minority groups.
0: And when it comes to things like... Applying to a job description that has a wish list of of things, what recommendations do you have to those that might not meet them all?
1: Do it anyways. (laughs) That's how I got my job at Malwarebytes. (laughs) Um, They had this massive list, and I had remembered hearing statistics about the majority of women will self disqualify themselves unless they meet like eighty percent of the requirements, whereas men tend to do it if they will just self-disqualify if they only meet like thirty percent. I'm like, well, I can just apply. The worst thing thing they can say is, no, thank you. It doesn't really harm me at all. It's maybe like a little bit of an ego thing. But at the end of the day, like it it's not that big of a deal. So I applied even though it had, I don't know twenty five bullet points that they were looking for someone to help out with. Um, and at the end of the day, what they realized is that truly needed to be two people two different people in two different positions. Uh, And that I could help them really solve what their real pain point was right then, which was more focused on the GRC side. Um, So they brought me on, uh, even though I didn't meet that massive checklist.
0: I love hearing that because you're right. Um, Guys do just apply uh, just because. And really, uh, we say the same thing. Like, what's the worst that they could say? Um, And I recommend it to others as well. As you write your job descriptions, do you work Do you work with talent to kind of pivot the wording or the phrasing to be more inclusive or to maybe remove that wish list to what you really need?
1: Uh, talent, my talent team, they're still learning what it is that cybersecurity does. So they give me pretty well free reign. Um, that said, there are some things, uh, some resources online. Uh, I'm blanking on the the name of it right now but there's a it's basically like a gender coder kind of thing so you just copy and paste that job description into this service and it tells you what percentage of the language is either coded male like more masculine or more feminine Um, and so what I try to do is either have that generator come to either a neutral or a feminine view because Uh, men will still tend to apply to positions that are gender coded towards uh, the female perspective, but women tend to self disqualify for things that are more male coded. So in that case, I'm more likely to get more female or non binary applicants in with that approach. Um, And then I also really try to limit the number of items on that checkbox. And that doesn't mean making one bullet point with 10 different requirements. It's (laughs) you've got to keep it practical. Like if you can only pick the five things that are part of their role, that are the absolute most mission critical point. What are those things? And honestly, like Rockstar isn't the thing that I need. I just need someone to do the stuff.
0: (laughs) Wow. Uh absolutely true so let's take a step back now um pretend someone out there is listening to you and they want to follow in your footsteps what one piece what one piece of sage advice would you share to them
1: uh find a person in the community that you that can help you also build your career, whether that be that mentorship advice that just check in to see how you are doing as a person how you are doing in your role, does it need to be within your current company, although it can sometimes help in terms of promotion or advancement within that uh, company. Uh, But also they can help take you to other places where you might double your salary just by the sheer fact that you have left and gone somewhere else. And these folks can help you to really focus in on what it is you want to do and how to help build you to that point point. and you what you may find is that those mentors or those champions change over time and that is normal and okay as you continue to grow you may grow away from that person or their knowledge or skill set but that kind of network uh, is super important and especially so if you can find those people that can help really build you build you up while you're uh, getting started And then also potentially help you as you continue to advance up the chain, if that's what your goal is.
0: Well, thank you so much, Tiffany, for sharing your tips and tricks today. For those of you listening on LinkedIn, follow myself, follow Tiffany, follow the podcast. For those of you listening on YouTube, hit subscribe and hit that notification button. And for those of you listening to us on podcast, after the fact, give us a 10 star rating or five star if you can and just share with as many people as possible. We do need diversity, different people from different backgrounds who think differently in this industry so that we can solve the complex problems of tomorrow. So thank you all for
1: listening and have a great rest of your day.